Are you looking for that magic pill to help you completely transform your life? Well, there's a self-help book out there for you. The only problem? It may not be that effective. Today, we talk about self-help and we cut through the BS to help you figure out what will really help you change your life. Welcome to Adulting podcast where we want to adult every day. Download episodes at adulting.tv. Welcome to Adulting. I am Harlan Landis, and I'm here with Miranda Marquit. How are you doing, Miranda? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm excited to talk about this topic. Right. <laughs> I'm ex- uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really you know it's it's something that I have just I, I have never really been a fan of the self help industry. It's interesting because I started a business that ended up helping people. People would read articles from consumerism commentary, and they would go off and they would help themselves. Perhaps at least that's some of the feedback that I got. But I just, I can't get into this whole idea that, you know, people write books all the time about often common sense things. It's just interesting. So, so why don't we just get into this here? And, you know, I think self-help might actually harm you, right? Yeah. So there's some indication that self-help might actually be detrimental to your mental health. There was a, an article in the Daily Mail and it was written by a an actual mental health professional who was talking about how self-help might actually harm you. Positivity can be a good thing, but when you try to just think positive thoughts without anything behind them, it can start to be a little bit problematic. And as you mentioned as well, some of the stuff is common sense. Some of the stuff is overgeneralized. So there are some problems with mass market self-help, the, the books that you see. What are some of the problems you see with this mass market self-help? I mean, I'm not a big fan of it either, but you seem to be really like <laughs> less of a fan than I am. Well, maybe we should figure out exactly what we mean by self-help. Well, first of all, is it even really self-help? I mean, if you're reading a book, the author is helping you. You're not really helping yourself. Right? <laughs> nice. I just want to get to the bottom of this before we even start talking about, you know, some of the problems that we have with yeah, it. Yeah, well, I think self-help is one of those things where you go in and it's more about you're not you're not seeing a regular counselor, you're not seeing a mental health professional. Instead, what you're doing is you're reading a book about some theory about how so, or somebody's idea of how your life should be or how to transform your life. You read that and then you implement it yourself. So I think that's what it's about. It's not really about the authors trying to help you because as we're seeing, the author may not be helping you at all. But it's more about saying, hey, I'm going to implement this self, this myself without maybe the help of a psychologist or a mental health counselor or some other professional help. Yeah, it's it's not just mental health, right? I mean, there's, right. there's the diet book industry, these diet fads that come out and they they rally tons of people to follow these diets. And, you know, this is just one example. And perhaps there is some success in there, but for most people, it doesn't work out. 
Yeah, and I think that's I think that's an important point too. Is so if you were if you were going to get help with your diet or your exercise, you'd see a dietitian or you would see a personal trainer, somebody who's certified to do those sorts of things. With self help, you look at the, somebody's theory or somebody's idea or somebody's diet or somebody's regimen, and then you go and follow it yourself and try and make this transformation on your own. What about when you have self help and then say it's written, you know, say say it's an exercise routine like you like you mentioned, and it's written by someone who's been a successful personal trainer and instead of actually now, you know, training one person, training another person, training another people, they've moved on. Perhaps they've they've gotten so well known that they train celebrities now and then they go off and they write a book you know, taking everything that they learned as a trainer for for a lot of people and applying it to a general population. Yeah, and I still think that counts as self-help. And and we're going to talk about this a little later in this show is, you know, not all self-help is bad. It's not all terrible, but you do have to be careful about what you choose. And I think later on in the show, we're going to be talking about uh, how to pick the right self-help programs if you're not quite ready to go out there and pay for that professional help. So what are some of the problems now that we have with this mass market self-help that's out there and available, New York Times bestsellers, popular websites, all of this stuff? Yeah, I think one of the big things that you run into is a lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of what you find on these self-help shelves, it's not peer-reviewed for science. Uh, There are plenty of scientific studies out there related to happiness and effective behavior modification and positivity. There's science out there that talks about it. But a lot of the stuff you'll find on your self-help, it's not been peer-reviewed. It hasn't been looked at. It's it's like the secret. We've all heard of the secret. And there's not much there. What's the secret? Oh, The secrets like that that video put out by that person in Australia who talks about how like ancient philosophers and the Bible and basically it's the law of attraction where if you think it you'll if you think it hard enough it'll come to you. It was like a big deal on Oprah a few years ago. Yeah, I, I've heard of it. I just don't know if if it's you know I, I think helping to explain what it is might might give a good idea of what. You know, what we're talking about when we talk about self-help and kind of the guru and the cults of personality that is involved in a lot of these self-help movements. I don't know too much about The Secret myself. It's not something I've ever read. I've never been interested in it. I, you know, I, I... I think the idea of positivity is great, and I think we mentioned this earlier. Positivity is good, but just not on its own. If it if all it is is thinking about good things and willing them into existence, I mean, obviously, I mean, not obviously, people believe this. So, um, right. you know, and, well, and one of the great things about the secret. Well, I'm not sure if it's great. One of the things about the secret is is the idea is is you you're supposed to picture yourself already having accomplished it. So, uh, the example that they use in this Daily Mail article, and that also applies really well is they talk about if you want to fit into your jeans that you used to fit into your skinny jeans, right? But you don't fit into them anymore, but you'd like to fit into them again. Uh, You picture yourself fitting into them again. You picture how wonderful it will feel when you can fit into them again. And you live as though you have already experienced fitting into your skinny jeans again. (laughs) For me, like I'm just looking at that going, no, I'm not going to actually fit into my skinny jeans again. Or in my case, this dress that I would really like to wear again someday, unless I eat right and exercise, like just imagining myself fitting into it isn't going to work. All that's going to happen is I'm going to put it on and it'll be a lumpy mess everywhere. And then I'll just be sad. 
it doesn't seem to me that this is a strategy designed for success, but people seem to swear by it. So why is that? Yeah, and I think that's part of the issue too, though. That's one of the problems with this mass market self-help is, you know, it's about you and it's all about you control everything. And there's too much blame on you if you don't receive desired results. So if I don't fit into my, you know, stress or skinny jeans or whatever, it's my fault because I wasn't thinking positive thoughts enough. Mm. Uh, Those negative thoughts were like holding me back. So there's always an out for to explain away the failures. It's not a failure with the system. It's a user error. The, the system can never be wrong. So anyone who kind of disagrees with it is just not understanding or not implementing it correctly. Yeah, pretty much. And that's, that's one of the issues with it as well. And then you run into this idea, am I going to get stuck in a rut? Do I ramp up my stress and anxiety? Because what am I doing wrong? How can I fix this? How I'm, I'm, you know, I'm following the formula, but I'm still not seeing my desired results. What's wrong with me? And if you already have some problems, it can actually compound them a little bit. Sure. So, and this doesn't apply exclusively to the secret, but also any type of self-help system. And as you mentioned, it can compound any stress or anxiety that you have making the situation worse for you. Right, exactly. And what are some of the problems, though, that you have? I mean, you really dislike this whole self-help industry. What are some of the issues that you see with it? Well, it's mostly what we've mentioned so far. And just the idea that people get so... The the tendency to believe everything is so strong that it drives people to really uh, have problems with people who see through it and uh, disagree. And I experienced that. I know when I worked for a former employer who was very much into a type of uh, self-help industry. It's a type of self-help where there were uh, seminars, which were basically sales pitches. But let's get beyond the sales pitch nature of the self-help industry for a moment and talk about the actual system itself, at least in this case, I mean, basically, you are beat down completely in order to be built back up in this new, this new life attitude, which is okay if you're choosing it on your own. I just, I get very, very um, wary of situations where people are kind of cajoled into it or pressured into it. And especially in those situations where they break you down so hard that it is damaging, as we've talked about. And people are trained, people involved in these programs are trained to superficially dismiss people who disagree. So if you point out any failings or faults or say, you know, this this is a bunch of BS, you are immediately dismissed without hearing, you know, your 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 arguments or looking at the facts. Basically, you are told that you just don't get it and, you know, this program isn't for you, which is of course the truth, but it's again seen seen as a personal problem and not a problem with the system at all. That's more of a cult-like self-help nature that is the extreme of the self-help industry, but it, I see it happening all the time because a lot of self-help is built off the idea of a strong personality at the head of this that is motivating people 
to see life a certain way. So it's all about the personality. It's about the marketing. It's about it's about manipulation. It's about all of these tricks that people use to convince people to buy and to participate and to believe. And it's been going on for centuries. This is basically the whole basis of how people think as a movement instead of as an individual. It can be very powerful and also very dangerous. And uh, I like to try to avoid it as much as possible for myself. I like to be able to see facts as they are and come up with analysis by experts, analysis by myself, my own observations, and not give way into some way of believing without any kind of evidence or just a tendency to not want to believe something that everybody's believing just because it seems to be the way to fit in. So that's my whole approach to the self-help industry. And of course, as someone, if you follow the, you know, I've I've been writing about personal finance for, for over a decade, and the those who are often very successful are the ones who follow these same principles that have allowed the self-help, self-help industry to thrive. Strong personalities, getting people to believe and then preach for you. It's all, it's all a pattern uh, that, that is, is pretty clear in my mind. And it's something that I avoid personally. Yeah. And I think that makes a lot of sense too, because a lot of the time with the self-help, it's, it runs around the idea of this one person who can provide you with all the answers. I think it goes back to our desire as humans to have somebody else explain to us or give us the answers or tell us exactly what we need to do. Can we just check a list, you know, check off this list and make it work? And the problem with that is it, we're all different. And a lot of these self-help issues, like they simplify the world too much. They promote this idea that we're very easily classified, that whatever problem you have can be fixed with a one-size-fits-all prescription that they have the answer to. And it does become sort of (laughs) cult-like in a lot of ways. And you look at the way some people are very fanatic about certain products or certain services or certain philosophies. And it can get a little bit scary to be around those people who are that fanatic. Yeah, and as you're talking about this, I'm reminded of another example. Let's talk a little bit about CrossFit now. I have friends who have seen lots of success, at least in the short term, with CrossFit. Yeah, watch out there. Don't touch the CrossFit, man. You are you're wading into dangerous waters. I'm, I'm going there. I'm going there. And you're not going to stop me. There, there is no doubt that CrossFit can be very successful for, for people. I've had a personal trainer who is very CrossFit influenced. I can see... And the way I like to approach it is to take some elements from CrossFit and build them into a uh, personal training routine. I probably couldn't get into the whole CrossFit lifestyle because, A, it is a lifestyle and people get so into it. And it seems like you have to be so into it in order for it to be as successful for you as, as you want it to be. But the problem that comes from it is people who are totally dedicated to CrossFit often will not accept that there are other approaches 
that can be just as successful and don't involve talking about CrossFit all the time. Um, you know, it's great to have a passion and I'm a passionate person. I'm passionate about a lot of things and it's fine to be passionate about getting fit. And that's an absolute great goal for a lot of people. And I have no problem with that. I have no problem with CrossFit in general. But you start to see how these pockets of, of people become just so immersed into something that they forget that there are other approaches as well. People who believe other things, people who have successfully taken other approaches, and they, they become dismissive of anybody who doesn't believe in the CrossFit way. I'm not saying that everybody who's involved with CrossFit is like this. I know a lot of people who are involved with CrossFit, and they are great people, and they don't talk about CrossFit all the time. I'm talking about the overall culture that we see. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point to make is that sometimes these self-help, uh, well, they're designed to inspire loyalties to the culture, loyalty to the guru, loyalty to the system, loyalty whatever to whatever it is. And the culture around them is more about groupthink and blind fanatic following than it is actually thinking about, hey, how does this apply to me? Can I tweak this a little bit? What are, you know, what, what are the actual consequences of this? And the problem with a lot of the culture surrounding all of this is it's like, hey, uh, this is the way to do it. This is the one true path to whatever. And that shuts down just that shuts down your critical thinking processes. When once you've decided to accept something as the one true path to whatever, your critical thinking shuts down. And that is always a problem, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think we have to stay, maintain our ability to think critically. And once we have this good feeling about belonging and we feel like we're part of a group and we feel like we're succeeding, these feelings often overwhelm our ability to think critically. And I am such a fan of critical thinking and taking a step back and looking at all the possible paths, all the outcomes, and really making decisions that have a good bearing on the individual. I mean, there are, of course, there are things that we can say that apply to people in general and in mass, but there are still, you know, there are still situations where we have to recognize when something might work better for us or something is more appropriate and we have to figure out where that line is between listening to the advice that's good for general people or the average person and listening to advice that's tailored to us specifically by an expert who is qualified to do so. Yeah. And I think that brings us to the point that not all self-help is bad. We can find good self-help, but I think we should talk and we should talk about that. What are some of the things that we can do? to find good self-help, to find good sources for self-help. Well, and I think there's good self-help and bad self-help in, in every industry. You know, it's, it's really interesting. And, and because you and I, Miranda, we both have written about financial issues for so long, I think it's probably a good place to start. If you look around at the wealth of writing and videos and advice that's available for people who are trying to improve their finances... There's often some general things, general tips that you'll see. And we talk about a lot of these uh, uh, on adulting, too. You know, pay off debt when you can. 
spend less than you earn, invest in low-cost index mutual funds. Now, these are all great pieces of advice that work on a generalized level, but they still each don't apply 100% to 100% of people. There are going to be situations where you don't need to pay off debt. There are going to be situations where you are allowed to spend more than you earn. There are situations where you need a different type of investing approach than, you know, than just investing in low-cost index mutual funds. So there are always situations and you have to find find things that are backed by good data good surveys and well good studies good good research that shows you exactly who this is good for who it applies to how to apply it to your own life and how to maintain it over time yeah i think that's a good point uh, a lot of the time when we look at some of the self help stuff it's just it's anecdotal there's there's nothing that has uh, been looked at scientifically, but there are some methods that work well, and there are programs that are legit. And there are some programs out there or some ideas out there. We talked to, you, you mentioned briefly earlier, well, what about somebody who is um, an actual physical, you know, an actual personal trainer uh, who actually has this sort of background and they write a book? Well, those credentials that can can actually help guide you to something that might actually work for you. But as you pointed out, Harlan, um, it doesn't mean that you blindly follow it. You look at it, you consider it, and then you see if maybe you can tweak it for your life. Uh, but just blindly following is probably not your best bet. But yeah, there are plenty of methods and, and studies out there that you can look at um, that actually show show you what you can do. There's uh, peer-reviewed techniques and methods, cognitive behavioral therapy, things like that. Self-help programs that are based in those sorts of, that sort of research are more likely to be successful in the long term. Yeah, and, and we should probably avoid promises that seem too, too good to be true. Programs that promise that they're going to change your life in a short amount of time or whether that that could pertain to anything. I mean, that could be losing weight. Programs that give you something that just sounds too good to be true. And if it sounds that way, it generally is that way. And personally, along those same lines, I find that if it's advertised on late night TV through infomercials, it's probably something that's not going to be so effective as it promises to be. And here's why companies advertise late at night because the brain works differently late at night. You are When you are tired, when you have insomnia, or when you're up at night, when it's been a long day and you have nothing to do but click on the TV and just soak in whatever it is that is on the TV, you are a lot more susceptible to messages that are given to you. And these are all sales pitches. So if a product does its best when its customers are slightly disabled in terms of their decision-making skills, 
then it's a product that you probably want to avoid. I like that. Does your does the product you're buying rely on your ability to like be impaired? <laughs> so don't buy it if you're impaired. But no, I, I like I like that point because a lot of the time what you're looking for is, is you want to look for something that appeals to your logic and not so much to your emotions. Yeah, and just being aware of the sales techniques that are out there. And uh, everything is designed to manipulate you into doing something. And lots of people make a lot of money doing this. And that's fine. I would just rather not be one of those people who are manipulated so easily. And I feel like the self-help industry is one of the biggest places where people are manipulated because everybody wants something. And when you want something, it's just like, it's just like the late night TV uh, infomercials. When you want something, you can want it so bad. For some reason, it's been ingrained into your mind that it's something that you want so bad that you're willing to put aside critical thinking in order to get it. And that's why, say, weight loss is such a huge part of the self-help industry because everybody has been told that their body isn't good enough and or they're not healthy enough. And that message is so hard to uh, avoid and it's ingrained. So we are willing to do almost anything in order to fit into whatever this image is that we're supposed to be a part of. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. I think the big the biggest ones are like I, I I agree with you. It's like weight loss and then like money, like untold wealth, right? Right. Like a lot of the self help uh, pretty much revolves around how do I how do I lose weight and attract untold wealth to my life? And uh, if you're looking for good self help, you're gonna find that these are programs that are very clear in that you are going to have to do a lot of hard work and make a lot of effort to change and there are going to be some stops and starts in your progress and they're going to use uh, methods and techniques that have been at least somewhat time tested. Uh, The problem that I see also with the self-help and what we're talking about a little bit is this BS idea that you don't have to put in a lot of effort right? Mm. Just just think about it. It'll come to you. Oh, just take this pill or take this supplement or, you know, drink this green tea and the weight will just magically melt off. When real change takes real effort. Yeah. And real effort is real hard work and promises oh, to avoid. Yes. <laughs> promises to avoid that are so intriguing and people love the idea of taking shortcuts And so much of the self-help industry is based on what kind of shortcuts can we take? How can we do better than the rest of the world and beat, beat the system that everyone has with this super secret system that we're only going to tell you if you're part of the club? Uh, It's just so, it's so enticing to people. Yeah, it really is. And not only that, but it, it helps you feel like you're, like you're talking about, like you're part of this inner circle that understands some deeper, you know, some deeper meaning, some deeper secrets, some some deeper philosophy. And and that that enforces the cult-like uh, behavior, I think, too. It's almost like we're talking about a religion. 
oh no, we're not going there. (laughs) (laughs) Quick, quick, back away, back away. (laughs) But no, it does. It does have very religious similarities to many religious, uh, religious ideas, which also kind of makes it difficult to handle because we are, as humans, kind of inclined that way. Yeah. And I think it all comes down to belonging at the root of it because we want to belong to a group. We want to fit in and finding these these self-help gurus who create these communities. Pop musicians have gotten into it, too. They they foster their communities in a certain way. Going back to, you know, like the online community for Britney Spears in the early 2000s, which was like, it wasn't new, but it was, she was probably the first to really have a big cult-like online following in terms of contemporary pop singers anyway. And her people really knew how to manage that and to create that belonging. And of course, it did awfully well for, for her and her producers. But it's the same cult idea. It's the same idea that we have this community rallying around an idea or a person and all bets are off once you have that belonging. You just lose all sense of strong decision making and uh, critical thinking. Yeah, and I think that's one of the problems that you run into with a lot of the self-help. So what are some things that you can do now to approach a problem if you want to make some changes or tackle a single problem? Let's talk about this week for our do nows. Let's talk about some of the things that these exercises that actually work and that can help you help yourself to start moving out of whatever funk you're in. Well, we started earlier talking a little bit about the secret and positive thinking and what it can do for you. Uh, Obviously, you need more than that. But I like the idea of this five-minute journal, and it helps you focus on the positive and take that positive and do specific things. Uh, Do you know about that five-minute journal? Yeah, I actually do it, (laughs) (laughs) which is great. So how does it work for you? What do you do, and how does it work? Yeah, so with the five-minute journal, uh, you take five minutes in the morning and five minutes in the evening. And the first thing they have, it's divided up into two things. So the first thing you do when you wake up is you list three things that you're grateful for. So it starts you off on a positive thought. And they've there, there have been actual peer-reviewed studies that indicate that gratitude and positive thinking can help you set the day, help improve your mood. It's not going to fix all your problems, but it can help you cope better throughout the day. And so you start out by listing three things that you are uh, grateful for. You list three things that you hope to accomplish that day or three projects that you hope to work on, however you want to look at it. And then you have one affirmation, like a daily affirmation about how you like feel about yourself. So sometimes my daily affirmation is just something simple like... (laughs) ready to focus. I am ready to focus. And so just just stuff like that. So it's, it's a way to kind of set your intention for the day and you might get derailed. And then at the end of the day, you sit down and you talk about three amazing things that happened that day. And you mention something that you could have done better that day. It's just kind of a way to look for patterns, to set patterns and to positively set your attention for the day. But then also at the end of the day, it acknowledges that maybe you didn't do everything you wanted, or maybe you didn't finish up what you hoped to finish up, but you can still reflect on the day and find good in the day and then write down something that you would like to work on for later. 
And speaking of writing things down, the Penny Baker exercise is good too. Uh, if you have a specific problem that you're trying to resolve, take 15 minutes at the end of a day. You know, it's it's funny how we talk about self-help and all the BS, and then we're talking about systems here that actually help. These are things, like as, as you said, that have been proven to help. And it isn't just thinking, it's doing. And I think that really is a key here. But the Penny Baker exercise, write, write about your problem for 15 minutes every day for three or four days in a row. And if you focus on this exercise and you're able to do it without any interruption, it can help you analyze how you're actually feeling and figure out how to approach a topic. Writing has always been therapeutic and much more so than just thinking about something. You can actually take what you want to do with your life and if you write it down, you will be much more successful than if you just think about it. And I know... That's been proven. There are studies that show that in my own life, anecdotally, yes, it is the case. I wrote down my financial goals in terms to improve my finances. And through the continuous writing, I was able to actually see some success. So that was that's something that's definitely a good skill to start writing things down. Do it now. And writing it down it forces you to think through it. And the the Penny Baker exercise is more about not some magical solution, but more if you have a problem you're working on, but you're not sure how to approach it, or you're having a problem tackling it. The idea here is you write down, you analyze it, it gives you a chance to really put your thoughts in order so that you can better analyze the situation and then possibly find a solution. And then another thing is to just sort of make time for things that give you purpose in life, whether it's caring for your families, uh, your religion, your profession, community, hobbies. A lot of the time, we forget that sense of purpose, and we find ourselves lost at sea. I had a friend who was just struggling really a lot with everything, and I said, well, you know, when was the last time you played the violin? She's like, oh, I just wish I had time for it. And I said, you know, make 15 minutes in your day, just schedule out 15 minutes into your day for the next week to play the violin. And she did. And all of a sudden she was back in the habit of playing the violin and things just looked better because she scheduled in that time. And it was just a small amount of time to do something that gave her purpose and gave her rejuvenation and made her feel better. Yeah. And that's interesting. That's something that I know that I have to do with photography right now. I haven't had a lot of time for that. And it's something that I enjoy and I'd like to incorporate that back into my life quite a bit. But you're right, it's maintaining a set of purpose. And then in order to do that now, it's all about scheduling your time, schedule the time that you need to take. And we feel like we shouldn't have to schedule time to do the things that we love to do. But putting it down on paper, or in your Google Calendar, or an Outlook, or whatever, or your your planner on paper, whatever it takes to maintain a schedule and set aside those blocks of time, however often you need to do it, and you can start off not as often and gradually increase frequency, or you can set aside exactly how much time you want to do. But setting aside that time is the do now part of that maintaining a sense of purpose. Definitely. And another thing you can do is volunteer. There's plenty of research out there that supports the idea that transforming, uh, that volunteering can transform your attitude and your outlook. It takes you outside of yourself 
So find a cause you believe in, look up that phone number right now, and then call and find out what that organization needs you to do. Yeah. And if you find yourself looking for an answer and considering buying a self-help book, it's an indication that there's something that you want to change about your life, whether it's legitimate or not. So instead of buying a self-help book, consider finding professional help. Instead of looking online for a blog, look online for a professional who probably also has a blog, but who you can hire or at least talk to and try to figure out exactly what it, what it is that you need. You will result in having one-on-one personal advice and communication, and everything will be tailored to you. You will be able to uh, judge for yourself the quality of that professional, whether it's a mental health professional or a nutritionist or a dietitian or a doctor, whatever it happens to be, whatever you want to improve in your life. Say you're watching an infomercial late night on TV and you see some solution that sounds great. You see P90X, for instance. Uh, Maybe P90X will work for you if you're looking to get into shape. But if you're considering it, then you definitely feel that there's something that you need to change. Go to the gym or find recommendations for a personal trainer. Go that route instead and see what kind of results that you can get uh, working with a professional. Yeah, I like that idea. And now we have, it's funny that you mentioned PX90 and something similar to multi-level marketing because we have a listener question. And it is, I have a friend selling products like Herbalife and Beachbody insisting that they will help me transform my life. Should I beware Are these good products for me to help me get my life and health back on track? These products are interesting because, you know, you think you're getting into it and there's always there's always more money to spend. There's always more. Uh, No matter what you do, however involved you are, there is more. And these, you know, I'm not I'm not certain about Beachbody. I'm not familiar with that. But I know that part of the incentive in the reason people talk about these so much is because they make money for customers. And this is so weird. And, you know, it's, it's a good question as to why it's even allowed in the marketplace. But, you know, we have a free market, so these things are okay. But companies turn their customers into salespeople. And they give incentives for people who spread the message. And often there is no real business. There is just this marketing scheme. And the more people bring in, you get more money for that than it costs to, to spend on these items, for example. And I don't know how companies get away with it, really. But it exists. It's out there. Multi-level marketing schemes should be avoided 100%. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Uh, a lot of the time... The mass market self-help industry has really kind of merged into the multi-level marketing where you have all these different products that are supposed to change your life, uh, like Mana V and you've got, you know, the Herbalife, they mentioned the Beachbody and, you know, for some people, these products probably work out just fine. But like you said, it's turned into sort of a thing where you're selling it and you're selling this idea of the lifestyle and, it may not work right for everybody. And as you said, there's always more money to spend. There's always the next thing. And then then you can really go down this path where it can be financially ruinous for you. 
Yeah, and I think the problem is that if there was no money to be made on selling things to your friends and taking advantage of your personal network, would you be talking about these products as often as you would? If there was no incentive for you to bring more people in, and I'll go back to that self-help seminar that I was uh, you know, encouraged to attend by a former boss, I, I mean, he... If he were to bring somebody in, he makes money. If he, you know, that's the same way multi-level marketing schemes work. If the company has a business plan that is more reliant on gaining new customers through this idea of a downline or a down-channel approach where everybody is kind of a salesperson, not just a customer, then the product itself probably isn't good enough to be sold in a more traditional manner. So you have to keep that in mind as well. So what do you think of self-help? Have you tried it before? Have you found anything effective? Or do you also think it's kind of a load of BS? Come and join us on the Facebook adulting community and share your stories of self-help. And you can subscribe to adulting at adulting.tv slash iTunes. Visit our website at adulting.tv. Ask us a question. We would love to answer it in a podcast or an interview or on the website in an article. And uh, we just love hearing from you. Leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think of the podcast. We hope you love it as we do. Thank you for listening to Adulting. Find resources for this episode or download other episodes at adulting.tv.